Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in to this edition of Stand Up For The Truth. Very important topic today, spiritual warfare and church discernment issues. Father in heaven, give us wisdom today, please. Thank you, God, for promising to give it generously to those who ask. And uh, right now, today, Lord, uh, give us what we need. Daily bread, your provision. We ask for your favor and protection on our lives. And God, help us to be sensitive to the Spirit's leading and your voice, and also to the warfare, to what's coming against us and the church. Lord, help us also know how to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, before we get to our very special guest, actually, let me bring him on right now. I've got a story to tell you and, and, a, and two different updates to give you before we get into our topics. But I want to introduce to you Don Vino of Midwest Christian Outreach. He's, uh, an ev- he's with an evangelical apologetics-driven ministry. Uh, he does a podcast. Uh, his wife, um, Joy, and Don founded uh, Midwest Christian Outreach in 1995, and they're on Facebook, they're on uh, YouTube, and also you can check out his book, Richard Rohr and the Enneagram Secret. Don Vino, welcome back to the podcast, brother. It is good to be with you. Good to be with you, sir. Uh, before we get to the topics today, I've got a couple updates I need to share. First of all, uh, Don, you don't know this. Our producer, Travis, he came on board earlier this year. He worked two months with the ministry, and then the enemy hit him uh, with severe pancreatitis, uh, an extreme reaction, and he it sent him into the hospital, the ER. Um, he was in an, a medically induced coma for two weeks, I believe, um, and he was at death's door. Um, God has worked miraculously. The doctors were confounded and astounded, and we praise God. He came in the, in the radio station yesterday for our staff meeting, and we were all able to give him a hug and just welcome him. Uh, he's, you know, taking it really easy right now, slow. He's got a lot of appointments coming up. Um, but, man, just just to see him in the building again after where he was a month ago, glory be to God in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord who heals. And so we thank God for that miracle. Uh, we call it a miracle. And uh, Travis, brother, we're going to continue to pray for you. Um so that's the good news. That was that report on Travis, and his mom did another update on his Caring Bridge site. Now, spiritual warfare. Um, <laughs> before we get to these topics, it's actually amazing. I shouldn't be astounded by anything the enemy would try to throw our way. But anyway, you guys know I've got a new book out, Canceling Christianity, and I've just started to do radio interviews and, and video interviews. Uh, Heidi St. John interviewed me. That's coming out today. Uh, Alex Newman of the New American interviewed me. That's coming out in a few days. Uh, Chad Davidson, Good Fight Radio. That'll be coming out also. Um, Kate Daly, we're doing that next week. Jan Markell isn't going to be interviewing me today. That will air next uh, June 11th through the 13th. So God bless Jan. She also is going to be carrying my book, Canceling Christianity. So I'm getting ready to do an interview yesterday here in the building with good internet, we're a radio station and a Christian ministry with some very expensive equipment. I start to do it. Alex Newman has his uh, producer from uh, Appleton, Wisconsin, connect him uh, with me. Alex is down in Florida, right? That's where he lives. So we're connected on Skype. We're a couple minutes into the interview, and all of a sudden it starts skipping. All of a sudden it goes out. All of a sudden there's all these issues, and I'm going, what the heck? And, and it's what we found out. It's not on their end. It was on our end. It was our Internet here in the building. I could not do the interview. The day before, we did an interview. We didn't use Skype, though, but we did a video interview out, connected out to California. It went fine. So we had to reschedule. We were going to do it in mid-June. Alex Newman says, David, I've got a slot at 3 o'clock this afternoon, Central Time. Can you do that? 
I had to run to Appleton and work for Freedom Project for a couple hours. And I came back in here. I got in the door of the building five minutes before three. I go to my desk, turn on my computer, plug in the headset and the camera. We're good to go. Connect with these guys on Skype, Florida, connecting with Wisconsin. And the lights in my office started flashing like strobe lights. I am not exaggerating. Crash Connell, who we work with here, who's the program director, he came in and videotaped it on his camera. And he sent it to the guy that's in charge of the electrical here in the building. He says, can you explain this? The lights in my office only were flashing like a strobe light. It's, it, it felt actually demonic. So we shut the lights off. We brought in a little lamp. I kind of opened the shades a little bit. We did the interview, got through it. It was only 15 minutes with Alex Newman. And I got off. I signed off. Thanks, Alex. God bless you, brother. I shut my uh, computer off, went over, flipped on the light switch, and they were normal. <sighs> Absolutely normal. No flash. Even this morning, I got to work. Turn on the lights, boom. And so right now my, in my office, there's four lights up above in the ceiling. Two lights are out, um, but there's no flashing. So just just these bizarre things. Don, is this a coinkydink or does, a, does, does these things have anything to do, these technical issues, anything to do with spiritual warfare? I would love some insight on that, brother. Well, my answer is, the truthful answer is, I have no idea. And, <laughs> and I'll tell you why I say that. Because Scripture tells us that there are three things against us. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Hmm. Sometimes the devil doesn't have to get involved because there are other things that can interfere at seemingly the surprise, the, the right time. I've had that happen with our live uh, webcast. Yep, We're all set up, test everything, everybody's connected. We're all operating well, and then my internet goes completely down at one minute before we go live. Jeez. The timing, now, be, huh? Yes. Because I have had that happen, I have a, uh, 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 what do I want to call it? A, like a remote uh, um, um, link that I, that I access over the, not, not, by, not by landline, just by my wireless connection. And I turn that on, I connect the computers up, and it takes me about a minute, and we go live at exactly the right time. So <laughs> wow. the answer is, I don't know. It could be spiritual welfare. War welfare. I wish it was welfare. <laughs> <laughs> spiritual warfare for sure. And one of the things that you raise here, and you're going to touch on this in your book, I'm certain, is what we're seeing going on politically yes. isn't really political. It is a battle for the worldview of the nation. That's what's going on. Amen. I'm so glad you put it that way, because I try to stress this not only on this podcast, but in my writing. We've got to wake up to the spiritual dimension and the reality of what's going on in our country that's manifesting in the natural physical realm. It is a worldview war. And yes. the, there is, unfortunately, there is one side of this that is demonic. So we have to ask the question, Don, I'll let you answer this. So if there is a demonic realm, if everything Jesus said about the devil and the spiritual realm and what Paul wrote about warfare and the enemy and, and our, our, the enemy of our souls, the devil, if all of that is true in the Bible, and we are living in this world but not of this world, and there are governments and policies and platforms and legislation being promoted and advanced, how do you explain the radical, unbiblical, some might call anti-Christian side of things when you get into politics? It seems like they're driven by this spirit of this, this anti-Christ spirit of the age. Can you explain that and help us make sense of that? I, well, I believe I can. Uh, I have written, as you are aware, written on this extensively over the last almost 30 years. Uh, Vishal Mengelwadi is a name that you may or may not be familiar with. He's a very good philosopher, uh, and uh, he calls himself a uh, uh, provocateur, <laughs> a provocateur, <laughs> uh, because he likes to cause people to think and deal with these issues and questions. Uh, and this goes back at least 
200 years. Now, let me give you just uh, 2,000 years of history in under two minutes. And it goes <laughs> like this. It goes like this. The church it came into existence in the first century. Over the next 300 years, it transformed civilization from a mean pagan uh, society which worshipped multiple gods mm. and sex was the driving force of nearly everything they did wow. to what we have as Western culture. The last 200 years, culture has been returning the favor and moving the church back to the pre-Christian era. And so it is a spiritual battle and has been going on for, in our nation, since the early 1800s, really. Yes. Uh, as, uh, as we turned as a church away from sound biblical teaching on a you know day-by-day, month-by-month, week-by-week basis to all evangelism all the time, and the decision that evangelism had to happen inside the church displaced what is supposed to happen in the church, which is guarding the flock from false teaching and yep. false teachers, equipping the flock to live in a difficult culture that is anti-Christianity, uh, and to be able to function in that culture in a way that is both enticing to unbelievers, that they might, according to First Peter, uh, ask for the reason for the hope that is in you, even though you're being persecuted, uh, and to a greater dependence on the Lord. We have, you and I, and those of us who are more mature in years than us even, have enjoyed the benefits of what we might call a Christian hangover until the last uh, five years or so. Explain In that. the early, pardon? Yeah, go ahead and, and elaborate on that a little bit. <clears throat> okay, well... As Christianity was fading, you, you had essentially a, a culture that wasn't Christian in the biblical sense, but had a Christian ethos and fundamentally believed that there's a God out there of some kind. We, we think he's God. Yes, Jesus may be God, and we'll, we'll celebrate Christmas. Uh, but our morals and our ethics derive from the Judeo-Christian worldview. That was under assault and has been under assault in the educational system primarily yes. since the 1930s, especially under John Dewey, who was a Marxist and realized that if you wanted to transform this culture, you had to do it from the inside gradually, and the school system is the best way to reshape society. Mm -hmm. uh, then you have uh, Marxism going through Antonio Gramsci and Gramsci's March through the institutions. Uh, we very nearly became a Marxist nation in 1945, but we had the conservative intellectual movement of 1945 rise up and fight against it and at least slowed it down. We have none of that today because they have progressively assaulted the faith. At one time, you had about a, a one to two ratio in the universities of uh, Marxist to conservatives two Marxists to one conservative. Today you have something like 12 to one. Yep. Uh, and that tells you where the training is going. It is going from the university to the politicians, the attorneys, the school teachers, the doctors and professors. It invades every aspect of society and the Christian voice is lost. Then... We had uh, Black Lives Matter, which is actually an occult religion. We wrote on that, the uh, occult religion of uh, hashtag BLM yeah. called IFA, which triggered something that was already going on in the institutions, which is critical race theory. Uh, it's already at an academic level, but now it gave that impetus to move it into society. Yes, Black Lives Matter, they are being... Um, um, killed by the hundreds of thousands by, you know, random police attacks is the claim. <laughs> uh, critical race theory steps up and goes, well, the reason is because racism is systemic. If you're born with white skin, you are therefore a racist. The church, unfortunately, uh, out of uh, some desire to say we need to take care of the 
those who are discriminated against, which we would agree with, you and I would agree, discrimination is an evil thing. Yeah. Uh, but definitions have to come into play here, and they are neglected largely by church leadership. Uh, and so that is uh, filtering into the church, which is no longer really a light-in culture. It's being transformed by culture. So that is my view of 2,000 years of history. Wow. And we, we need to touch on a couple of those points that you made a little bit further, including critical race theory. Uh, but we are with Don Vino of Midwest Christian Outreach today, and we're talking about spiritual warfare, church discernment issues, and what's happening, the demonic activity that you it's almost unmistakable for those of us who are in Christ as we see our culture and our country declining morally, spiritually, uh, economically, and in so many different ways, the divisiveness that we now see that's by design, by the enemy. Um, but, Don, let's go back to something you said about 1945. Because ha- I'm thinking, wow, I know Alfred Kinsey came around around that time, and he really had an impact on the uh, perversion and, and hypersexuality uh, of the nation and adultery, along with Margaret Sanger before that. But, and then the 1960s, the, the Bible was taken out of school, prayer was taken out of public schools, and then, of course, 19, 1973, Roe v. Wade. But something had to get to these points to to lay the foundation, so to speak. What happened in 1945 that you alluded to? Well, in 1945, you already had Marxism kind of sweeping the nation. Um, uh, in fact, uh, my wife's grandfather very nearly became a Marxist after the Second World War because they were very popular in rallying people to their cause, saying the problem is capitalism. You need to get rid of capitalism, then we won't have war, hmm. no depression, all of that will just go away. Um, 1945, you had a group of conservative intellectuals raise up and start arguing against that. Uh, and a young firebrand in 1951 by the name of William F. Buckley Jr. penned a book which just put the universities back on their ears titled God and Man at Yale. In it, he argued that they are teaching communism and Marxism. And he said, you have every right to teach communism and Marxism, but your supporters, those who are donating money to your university, Yale, are capitalists. The very least you should do is tell them that you're teaching against what they believe. Hmm. Uh, And it raised a ruckus around the nation in universities because he was right. The result was it slowed down the onslaught of Marxism. So, 1945 through the 1950s and 60s, late 60s, you see the nation again going back to chaos and pandemonium as university students are being taught by the university professors that the United States is evil, capitalism is terrible, and we need to rebel against it, which they did. Yep. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, we uh, see that. that. Yeah, that, that had a huge impact, and that's still surprisingly, I guess, in our schools today. In school curriculums, they have rewritten history, so to speak. They have edited true history. The textbook, right. the textbook publishers are part of the problem. The uh, godless NEA, the National Education Association, is part of the problem, and this is what's been driving the immorality in our culture for over 50 years. It's what's been fed to young people starting at the lowest age in the public schools. Well, it is. You have another thing that entered in in the uh, mid-1960s, which is how our nation started doing um, um, immigration. Hmm. And so now you had a flood of Eastern mystical religions and those sorts of things, in addition to which the Beatles and others brought Eastern mysticism into the thinking of our country. Hmm. Uh, And so now you had a a moving away from the Judeo-Christian ethic and values and and bringing in of Eastern metaphysics, which is, uh, as Dr. Peter Jones points out, is the battle between oneism and twoism. Twoism is what you and I would believe. God is separate from creation, but interacts with creation. There's two, God and creation. In uh, Eastern metaphysics, it is oneism. Everything is one. There really is no good or bad. 
There really is no evil. There is no male or female. There only is one. We are part of the all, the everything. And there is no unique individual personality involved. So how does that affect us today? Think about critical race theory and think about uh, oneism. And what do we have? You no longer can tell gender based on what we would say is scientific data. Gender is what you decide it is. Yep. Right? This is where we're at. Yeah, we've got to tied to anything. We've got to pick that up at the other side of this break. We're with Don Vino, Midwest Christian Outreach. A lot more to get to, including church discernment issues and the Enneagram. We haven't heard a lot about that recently, but it seeped into the church. We'll find out more from Don when we come back on Stand Up for the Truth. Keep it right here. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. I'm with Don Vino, Midwest Christian Outreach. And uh, before we talk about church discernment issues and the Enneagram and other things we need to be uh, up to speed on, um, Don had a great suggestion. Um, I was telling him about my book being rejected on Facebook. Four ads were, quote, canceled. <laughs> it's ironic. Canceling Christianity is the name of the book. But um, Don said people can actually do a, a brief review of the book and then post a link on their own Facebook page. And that will help me out because when I do something like that, either very few people see it or it gets shadow banned. Um, so if you've read the book or if you'd like to help me out on social media, whether that be Twitter, Facebook, Parler, wherever else, do a little quick review, just a couple thoughts if you read the book, and put the link to Amazon, or you can put it to my website, davidfiorazzo.com, because that will get it out there more than I can, because I've been limited this time around because of the increasing censorship of the Christian worldview. So, Don, thank you for that suggestion. And one more thing I've got to add, friends. Um, ministries have been uh, jumping on board, helping me tremendously by ordering a case of books from my publisher at a 50% off discount. So I'm going to give you the name Tom Freeling, and I'm going to give you an email. It's info at freelingpublishing.com. That's info at freelingpublishing.com. If you'd like to order bulk, anything over 12, I believe he said, gets a 50% discount. So it's F-R-E-I-L-I-N-G. Info at freelingpublishing.com. That's some friends have been ordering cases and it's it's just been going pretty well that way. Now, Don, uh, you did a conference recently and you mentioned you some one of the speakers talked about critical race theory and others. Could you tell us about the conference and what were some of the topics covered? Yeah, it was uh, it was kind of interesting. This was a conference uh, almost uh, two over two years in the making because initially. Uh, Two weeks before it was supposed to happen, COVID. The Rona. And they shut everything down. (laughs) Yeah, Corona. The Rona. Uh, And so over the time, it was moved a few times, and then both organizations backed out. And the pastor called me and said, uh, uh, are you guys apologists or cowards? I said, well, does that mean you want to continue? He said, absolutely. So we did the conference. Uh, It was um, Engage 2021, and the uh, videos are on our website, Midwest Outreach, uh, at Midwest Christian Outreach Inc. on YouTube. Uh, and uh, there are, uh, currently there are 11 of the talks are up there. And they deal with, uh, you know, things like a reclaiming education. The school systems today are not even like they were when my kids were in grammar school, where you actually had Christians who could be Christians even in this public school system because they were teaching reading, writing, and arithmetic. Yes. They weren't working as hard to change your worldview. Mm. So today, if you want your kids safe and educated, you need to have them in a different environment. It could be homeschool. It could be church school. It could be some, and there's a lot of different uh, combinations of that. Uh, So we talk about that reclaiming education. Um, we talk about uh, things like, is Christianity the white man's religion? That's a fun topic. Hmm. Uh, and that is done by an African-American, Montese Peterson, does a great job on that issue. 
Uh, Corey Miller, Dr. Corey Miller, oh, who's yes. president of Rochelle Christie, uh, did engaging critical race theory and you know knocked it out of the ballpark again. Um, you know what, Don? Let me I, let me just just interject really quick. He was a blessing to us. He came on the podcast about a month ago before your conference, and he gave us a little teaser of what he was going to talk about, and we discussed Black Lives Matter and critical race theory and what's being taught. So go ahead and let us know, uh, you know, continue whoever else was at the conference and what the topics were. Right. Um, we had uh, Engaging with Mormons, Understanding the Worldview, also uh, Corey Miller, and that goes kind of with his new book. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sabbath Day Adventism and the Sabbath Question. Steve Lagoon uh, wow. does that. Dr. Wow. James Bjornstadt. Uh, and he, he really talked about just the whole idea of how do we engage unbelievers in culture? What's going on and how do we do that? So a lot of information. If you go there, like I said, there are 11, uh, 10 or 11 of the talks are on there. We'll be re-recording a few of them and putting them back on so um so don yeah uh, midwestchristianoutreach.org and what did they look for to get to these presentations okay there's two things okay if they go to youtube it's midwest christian outreach inc on youtube okay that's what you want to look for so that's where these talks are from the conference yeah sounds like great topics and very relevant information to what the church needs to hear um so don let's take a little uh you know, not a detour, but this is where we were going to go today. And I've got a great quote I came across by Elisa Childers. Um, She's done a lot to expose progressive Christianity and hypocrisy and apostasy in the modern American church and evangelical church. And she said this, we live in a culture of tolerance where words like inclusion and Affirmation have become, have become non-negotiable tenets. Thus, it can be tempting to view any display of disunity as divisive. But the Bible places the blame for divisions on the ones bringing in the false doctrine, not on those who call it out, meaning the watchmen, meaning the discerners in the church, mature Christians. And before I get your response to that, Don, let me add a a scripture from Jude chapter 1. Beloved, while I was making every effort to write you about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith that was once for all, once for all time handed down to the saints. For certain people have crept in, unnoticed those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation, ungodly persons who turn the grace of God into indecent behavior and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. So the early church was warned, and we have been warned. And yet, Don, we are still, when when some of us point to some of these, like the Enneagram, like some of these, unbiblical teachings, doctrines that, that have been infiltrating the church, we are accused of being the divisive ones, not those bringing in the false teachings. Please share your heart on that. Well, um, that's true. And there's a process that these things happen, which I would suggest is on a leadership level, a trust rather than a verification. What I mean by that is this. If a well-known preacher boy, let's say Andy Stanley, (laughs) likes the Enneagram, uh, other seeker-sensitive type churches go, well, Andy Stanley's solid. He's using the Enneagram, so I can use the Enneagram. What's the benefit of it? Oh, it'll help us better understand ourselves uh, because it is a... uh, you know, it's kind of a nice tool to tell me why I do what I do. And uh, so they get engaged in it and uh, bring it down to the rest of the congregation. So it is what I call the good old boy circuit. Because I trust this other individual, wow. I just adopt what they're doing. That's very powerful because it infiltrates our thinking. I, I, in fact, I would back up and say this. Nearly all of us, uh, the bulk of our worldview is shaped to what I call osmosis. Osmosis. It invades our brain by the books we read, the movies we watch, the people we hang around with. 
without filter. We don't even ask the right questions very often. Hmm. Unfortunately, in church leadership, you don't have that luxury. You quoted Jude. Let me go to Acts. The Apostle Paul writes this, uh, says this. He says this. He meets with the Ephesian elders. He's really concerned about, guess what? False teaching. In Acts 20, 28, he says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. So who are they supposed to watch? Themselves and the flock. Yes. Which he obtained with his own blood. Hmm. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. So what are they supposed to be on the, the alert for? Those who would come in. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, be on the alert. So he warns them in advance, wow. this is going to happen after I pass out from the scene. It falls to you guys to guard each other, watch yourselves, guard the flock, keep alert on the boundaries of the church to make sure it doesn't creep in, and to watch those within the church that might rise up. My question to you, is that going on today within most churches? Wow. Yeah, we're, we're, we have some problems. We have some problems. And that's, I'm glad you brought up that set portion of Scripture because we've got to guard our own uh, souls, our own doctrine. And, of course, if you're an overseer, deacon, elder, pastor, um, we are to look over the flock and, and guard and protect. We don't have that. Um, boy, I, I think we're missing that idea or that actually— uh, what I'm, what am I trying to say? The uh, the pastors that are protecting and guarding the flocked flock. Some of them are, but I think that's a minority today. I, I think it is, and there's a certain amount of uh, ego I think that gets in the way. I, I'm educated. I do this stuff every day. I, I won't be deceived. The truth is, everyone can be deceived. Everyone, you and I, uh, and so we are to have others around us who can kind of help us stay, keep things in check. I have a wonderful relationship with my pastor and the elders there. We have Midwest Christian RH has a uh, uh, board of directors. We also have a board of advisors, which includes my pastor and other pastors. When I write something that is especially something that is uh, could create some issues within the body of Christ, I send it to them before it is even online to mm -hmm. say, am I accurate? Am I seeing this clearly? Am I misunderstanding what, say, Dr. Michael Brown is saying, uh, if so, why or why not? And then they will let me know. Conversely, when my pastor is speaking, and this happens from time to time, uh, he'll be going through a passage and he'll stop and he'll say, now I'm going to say something that may be borderline, and if it is, Don will call me to task on that. Mm. <laughs> well, you don't hear much of that, though, these days where someone actually, I mean, <laughs> The word rebuke or cor correct, as Paul uses in 2 Timothy, we don't really hear a lot of that today. You, you know, rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness. Right. Because, because we have a new definition for Christianity. Niceness is the closest thing to godliness. To say somebody is wrong is not nice and therefore ungodly. Wow. You're, you're right, though. That's almost the mentality today. Um so almost, it's almost like the church has been feminized. It's almost like, or, or we're just striving to be popular. And I think we see it's very tempting for pastors because they see certain pastors and church leaders around the country that have these big, successful churches. But, but numbers and the size of the church does not determine success in God's eyes. It, no. I mean, anybody can draw, attract a crowd. You can use worldly methods and worldly means to attract a crowd and have a big church and not say anything offensive, and then you're a motivational speaker or you're just trying to please the world, but you sure have a big church, right? Well, right. And so if we go back to what we started at the top of the hour, the church transformed culture over the, 300, the first 300 years of its existence. The last 200 years, culture has been returning the favor. So what does culture decide? <laughs> is um, the measurement of success. Huge church, big church, lots of money, many programs. We can come in and not be offended. And so the task of the pastor and elders is to broaden the market base to get more potential users in the door. 
which means you have to curtail your biblical teaching, which may be offensive to some people. Hmm. That's a problem because the word of God is offensive. The cross is offensive. We don't have to go out of our way to offend anybody. The Bible does it all by itself. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Oh, yeah, that's interesting you brought that up because it used to be 50 to 100 years ago. You could say you were a Christian. You could even say, God bless you, pray for someone, quote a scripture verse out in public, and that was okay. Even if people didn't didn't agree with you about your theology or, or I should say, your, uh, your faith, uh, in meaning, meaning atheists or other religions, they, it, it, was, it was tolerated. But now they not only try to shut you down or they don't want you to speak about it, they don't even want you to believe what we believe right. because that is, they've gone from hate speech, now it's hate thought. So if we think the Bible is true, we're hateful just because we believe it, right? So it's really fascinating, this, this shift, but in the terms of um, since Christianity's inception, America is the anomaly, not the norm, as far as uh, being so tolerant of, of the biblical faith. Yes, it is. Uh, now, let's just switch gears. Having said that, that's why critical race theory is infiltrating the church as well as culture. The Southern Baptist uh, Convention, for example, uh, in 2019 passed Resolution 9. What is that? It is the acceptance of critical race theory as what they said as a tool. Uh, it, it potentially could split the Southern Baptist movement. Now, they are introducing another resolution in the next conference to reverse that tide, but we'll see how that goes. The Enneagram is the same kind of a uh, problem because it has been brought into the church from New Age occultism. It only existed in New Age occultism until 2016 when InterVarsity Press brought it in through Suzanne and Ian, uh, Suzanne Stabile and Ian Cron's book, The Road Back to You. Now, think about that title. Where is the road they are describing taking you? Hmm. To you. Yeah. It isn't to God. Yep. Right? Exactly. And so that launched then a whole new religion into the church hmm. that is being promoted by some well-known church celebrities, let's say. Charles uh, Andy Stanley as one, Russell Moore as another. Uh, there are several of them. In 2017, um, Zondervan produced this sacred Enneagram. So now we have two Christian publishers, each one with a book in the Christian market, one saying the Enneagram is sacred, the other one saying it's giving you the road back to you. Wow. Uh, In 2018, InterVarsity Press, and you got to go to a break. Yes, let's pick that up when we get back, because I want to hear how the publishers have been responding to this topic of the Enneagram. Uh, plus, more on critical race theory. Um, we'll go back to some some really Old Testament scriptures that I don't, I don't understand how you can misinterpret some of these, but I guess those who promote CRT are, are doing that. But we were with our Don Vino, Midwest Christian Outreach. A whole lot more when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Don Vino is with us, Midwest Christian Outreach. We're talking about church discernment issues and spiritual warfare, and he was talking about how publishers and how books have come out on this topic of the Enneagram. Don, please finish your thought. We You started before the break. Okay. Uh Let's, let's step back because we only did the first two books. In 2016, <laughs> Suzanne Stabile, who was a disciple of uh, Franciscan friar Richard Rohr, wow. uh, who is what's called a panentheist, panentheist he, he believes that the cosmos is the first incarnation of the Christ. And so everything in the creation is already in Christ and therefore has never been separated from God. So that's step one. Step two, Ian Cron teaches at his uh, establishment, the Center for Action and Contemplation. They produced a book through InterVarsity Press called The Road Back to You. So the whole purpose of the Enneagram 
is to take you from what they believe is your false self. You have created a false understanding of yourself. You need to abandon that, figure out which of the nine paths gets you back to your true, unsinful self that's never been separated from God. Secondly, uh, in 2017, Christopher Huertz, also a disciple of Richard Rohr, had his book, The Sacred Enneagram, published by Zondervan. In 2018, InterVarsity Press published another book by Suzanne Stabile, The Path Between Us. So everything focuses on the sacredness of the Enneagram and what it does for us to get us back to our unsinful, never been separated from God's self. Wow. In 2019, uh, Thomas Nelson Publishers produced a nine-volume set by Beth McCord. Trained by five New Agers, one of which is a psychic, Helen Palmer. That's where she learned the Enneagram. So none of them have been trained by any biblical teaching in this. It is all from New Agers and psychics and panentheists. Wow. We did our book in 2020. It is, It was and continues to be the only book uh, exposing the falsehoods and doctrines of the Enneagram. The Enneagram is a non-Christian, in fact, I would say anti-Christian device replacing the Christian faith in many evangelical churches. So since our book came out in 2020, we now have, are you ready for this? Yes. Over 30 pro-Enneagram books and one exposing it. Oh, my goodness. Well, not surprising, I guess. But, Don, let me clarify something. You you said um, a lot of churches are apparently going along with this or accepting this. And you mentioned in the last segment that um, Andy Stanley, which I think some, you said some people say think he's solid. I don't know. I've never heard um, in my circles anyway the word solid used in the same sentence with Andy Stanley. But uh, it's for another conversation. Uh, you said he has said it's okay or they're okay with the Enneagram? Oh, yeah, absolutely. He's done several podcasts, not only with Ian Cron, but he teaches it uh, at his church as well. So, wow. yeah, he's uh, he's very on board with it. Russell Moore, uh, Southern Baptist is the same way. Uh, there's quite a few uh, what I would call Christian celebrities. Yeah. Uh, and and there's, <laughs> there's this kind of an idea that it is somehow to help you figure out what your personality type is so you can figure out how to get along better with other people and that sort of thing. But the writers themselves, the Enneagram teachers tell you, for example, um, Christopher Huertz says that uh, one of his teachers, Russ Moore, says type isn't a type of person, but a path to God. So it isn't a personality typing system per se to tell you what type of person you are. It is a way for you to figure out your false views about yourself to get you back on the true path whichever one of the one through nine is your personal path back to God whom you have never been separated from. Uh, Richard uh, Suzanne Stabile goes on to say, or, actually, let me back up. Richard Rohr says the purpose of the Enneagram is not self-improvement. Are you hearing that? It is mm-hmm. not self-improvement, which would be our ego's goal. Rather, it is a transformation of consciousness so that we may realize our essence, our true self. What is our true self? Our true self is non-sinful, always been with God, never been separated from God. In fact, they reject the penal substitutionary atonement of Christ. That's pretty profound. It is, and I'm scratching my head here figuratively, trying to understand why, why Christians would go along with this or think this is okay. I would suggest two reasons. The first is they're not paying attention to what the teachers are teaching. Uh, and so they are assuming it is something it is not. Hmm. The second is they are not looking at the dictionary that the teachers are providing because they're giving you definitions of their terms. And so you want to take it and figure out what kind of personality you are, but they're very clear. This is not a personality test. Uh, and uh, there's been one psychometric test to look at this to see if it even qualifies as a personality test, if that's what you wanted it to be. 
And the conclusion was it doesn't qualify as a personality test. And it is, in fact, so unqualified, no psychologist would use it uh, knowing the damage it could cause. That's pretty profound. I've, I, years ago, I've been at a conference. Was it a conference? I think it was, where a pastor, Christian pastor, was doing a conference on marriage. And he had one of those personality tests on his website that you could take, you could print out, take you and your spouse could take it. Um, and at the time I'm going, you know, I, I understand how this might help, but I'm, I was trying to make the connection to how it can be biblical to try to figure out your personality. And is, is it a, a, is this an issue of gifts that God gives us like spiritual gifts? Is this part of the Enneagram fascination? Well, yeah, you know, humans are trying to figure out why do I do what I do? That's kind of the driving question behind all of these sorts of things. <laughs> and 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 now call me. In fact, I have a phone call scheduled after we're done here today. Someone has a, a question on a particular issue that they're grappling with. And when they call me and they try to sort it out, I say, okay, the Bible actually addresses this. I don't know if you realize that or not. And they go, what do you mean? I go, well, I can tell you why you do what you do. It's very easy. You're a sinner. <laughs> so it starts with that foundation. And you know what, Don? We only have uh, five or six minutes left, and I do want to transition back to what you said earlier, something about the this teaching of the Enneagram and this critical race theory, not only in our culture, and in, you know, but it's seeping into the church. I'm looking at a very simple-to-understand verse in Ezekiel 18, verse 4, which says, Behold, all souls... Our mind, the soul of the Father, as well of the, as the soul of the Son, the soul who sins shall die. It seems pretty simple that it's an individual issue of sin and repentance and salvation, not a collective or universal issue. And critical race theory would teach that we subscribe to certain sins. We subscribe certain sins to people based on skin color. In other words, a group of people, meaning white people, systemic racism. Just your thoughts in the last five minutes here on this confusion, which seems to be pretty simple in the Bible, but uh, I, I, apparently it's not. Well, right. now, And it's because critical race theory is actually another religion. We talked on that early on uh, in, in this program. It's a worldview problem. Critical race theory is an alternate religion. It's com in competition with Christianity. It offers no salvation. It offers no redemption. It provides no way for repentance and uh, or restoration. The best you could do is, if you're white, you could become anti-racist, but that neither provides redemption uh, or gives you a way to repent or anything, and doesn't promise um, racial reconciliation. Hmm. It is a system of works that yes. focuses solely on humans, not on men. Scripture tells us that our problem is we are separated from God. That's number one. Jesus died for our sins to provide for the mending of the relationship between us and God. God forgives us. We receive grace. That is the a kindly attitude toward the undeserving. That's what grace is, a kindly attitude toward the undeserving. I love that. God has a kindly attitude towards sinners. If they repent and call on his name, they can be redeemed by his life and blood and resurrection. What, what does that mean? It means we can, unlike critical race theory, we can start acting differently toward those around us. Why? Because we're redeemed and we are now called to serve them. So the question from the Enneagram or CRT really comes back to the same thing. We are united because of our bond in Christ, if we're believers. If they are unbelievers, we are still to serve them to the best of our ability. Why? Because Christ served us and gave his life a ransom for many. In other words, it is much simpler than most people think it is. Mm-hmm. Boy, we complicate things and we grab little, little beliefs or philosophies of the world, which Paul warns about so much in the New Testament. Uh, don't fall for these worldly philosophies and these other things. 
but I guess we try to add something to our faith, thinking thinking the gospel of grace and by faith is just not enough. So a lot of us, I understand how we get into this works mentality. Don, in the last two minutes, um, uh, just let people know where they can get your book on the Enneagram and uh, also uh, your website. All right, we're going to make this uh, easy. We're going to send them to a website for the book because there's tons of information in addition to sources where you can buy the book from. Enneagramsecret.com. That is easy. Enneagram, E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M, Enneagramsecret.com. There's tons of videos. In fact, uh, uh, Marsha Montenegro, our co-author, just had a point-counterpoint with Todd Wilson, uh, the uh, co-founder and president of the uh, Center for Pastor Theologians, who wrote a pro-Enneagram book called The Enneagram Goes to Church. Uh, <laughs> you really do want to see that one. <laughs> awesome. So that's on there, too, enneagramsecret.com.org.com. All right, Don, it was so great to catch up with you again. Thank you, brother, for your ministry and all you do, and you've been diligently uh, doing the podcasts and the writing great articles for years. And I know it, it can get tedious, and I know sometimes we can feel overwhelmed, but we appreciate you, and uh, just thanks again for coming on the podcast today. Okay, blessings to y'all. All All right, God bless you. All right, when we come back, we'll let you know who our guest is tomorrow and maybe take a peek into next week on Stand Up For The Truth. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. Tomorrow we have a brand new guest, Dave Jenkins. His book is called The Word Explored, The Problem of Biblical Illiteracy and What to Do About It. We're going to talk with Dave Jenkins and uh, looking ahead next week, a couple brand new guests as well. Um, and then Jason Jimenez is coming back on. Rick Scarborough is coming back on. J.B. Hickson next Tuesday. Uh, but anyway, um, thank you guys so much for your prayers. As I mentioned at the, at the beginning of the podcast, the spiritual warfare just comes at you in so many different ways. We're not surprised by it, I guess, but just it's bizarre sometimes. And sometimes they try to attack us through someone else, like through our spouses. I would like for you to pray for my wife, Rosanna. Uh, she gets hit quite often. Um, and so the enemy tries to get to me sometimes through her. Please keep her in your prayers as well. And by the way, if a lot of great guest suggestions that we've been following up on recently, we're booking some new guests uh, already booking July. So get me those suggestions, email, comments at standupforthetruth.com. Thank you for your prayers, your support, and again, for uh, checking out my book, Canceling Christianity. Um, on Amazon, and uh, if you're in the Green Bay area, we have them at Lighthouse Christian Store. Also, right here in our studios, I forget to mention that so often, but we have some books here, of course, at Q90FM Studios in De Pere. God bless you, and as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.